Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And it's Kent Wyrock coming back to be a guest host once again, rolling through the divisional series. I am joined by the usual host, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Uh, today we'll be talking about the AFC North on this episode, so we're going to be breaking that down. But before we do, uh, and before we even get to the news, gentlemen, how are, you, how are we doing? Um, I'm doing good, Kenneth. I'm sorry oh, no. that uh, our... <laughs> Oh no! I'm sorry that our our intro man didn't include your name on that drop. He's you know he's kind of forgotten you, which is that's rude, okay. But yeah, he's he's very upset with you, Kent, and I don't think he's gotten over it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm uh, doing great. I am on vacation as of this recording, so I am hanging at the fiance's family's beach house, or lake house, excuse me, uh, paddleboarding, kayaking, boating. Uh, so life cannot be better right now, and of course we get to talk football. So uh, all is good. On my end, how are you doing, Kent? I'm great. I am not avoiding family to talk football. Um, well, I kind of am. My <laughs> wife's upstairs with the dog, but no, um, it's good. I mean, camps are rolling through. We got preseason football. Well, we had the Hall of Fame game, but we have a ton of preseason football this Thursday, so that's exciting. I uh, get to watch like one snap for each good player, and then that's it. And but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it right now. But uh, yeah, uh, it's fun. I do have to ask Kent which one of you or your wife has taken up the treadmill oh um that that's a little bit of both i mean you know i i kind of uh. use it so i i play hockey that's more my um my physical activity i play twice treadmill a week doesn't so. really work for that <laughs> no i mean it's it's a different running motion you know it's like lateral for skating it's way different so it's it's a whole thing so is there any sort of equipment that helps you exercise your hockey muscles? Actually, yes. Not to get too in-depth on the hockey talk here, but there is a <laughs> basically a treadmill designed for hockey skating. Wow. Is there really? Yeah. Yeah, That's there fascinating. is. Wow. It, it has like a smooth surface and you wear these like foot pads that slide on it. So you can actually oh like gosh. do a skating motion. So yeah, it's That's really cool. That's crazy. Yeah. And welcome to the Red Shirts Hockey Podcast. <laughs> yeah, fantasy hockey season is coming up. No, um, let's t- hey, tell you what. Let's swing over into some football. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh got news. Hey, news, 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 news. Got a little bit to talk about with camps going on. Uh, first big thing, Ezekiel Elliott. Watch. I feel like do we have to do this every year now with a big name running back? Last year was Le'Veon Bell. This year it's Zeke uh, and Melvin Gordon. They're all just deciding to just not play football anymore or something but apparently there are conflicting reports of whether Zeke Elliott's camp uh, told the Cowboys that he will sit out the entire 2019 season without a new contract that's just a bummer (laughs) I I mean if he doesn't play that's just sucks for fantasy because he's a top three pick right now uh, locked in for the most part depending on your league but um do you have any insight into why he might be holding out for this year if he's got two years left on his contract? I think it's a couple things, potentially. Number one is that he just knows that he's worth more money than he's getting paid right now, and he so he wants to get paid right now that num- amount of money. And then the other thing is it's Cooper and Dak are also both seeking contracts right now, and they're a little bit more reasonable to be seeking contracts because they're actually 
going to be free agents after this season, so they need their extensions now. And I think Zeke kind of feels like, hey, if these guys, this guy who just showed up out of nowhere from the Raiders and this hooligan who barely plays quarterback and really I carry the team are going to get paid right now, then I should get paid right now and possibly even before then. That would be me putting on my Zeke you know, hat, which is just a gigantic outward triangle of hair. The hair, yes. <laughs> uh, and beard. But that would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't I don't get it as far as, like, the timing. I, maybe, Okada, you can speak to it as far as, like, you've been kind of in on some meetings, like you said, with NFL Network and what they're describing as far as the timeline. I, my understanding was, you know, it, basically he's under contract through 2020, and so he doesn't really have the leverage to wait this season, and he would get fined. Is that is that correct? So, yes, he will get fined. He'll, he's starting to get fined now, pretty much, for being out of camp. Or at least the Cowboys are authorized or, like, enabled to fine him. They, I think they've said they may not, so it's kind of an, an option there whether or not they want to fine him. It comes from them rather than from the league. Um, but the other big piece of, of the story that was previously reported kind of wrong is that he had to report by August 6th, 6th in order to accrue a season and therefore be able to be eligible for free agency because you have to accrue four seasons to be eligible for free agency. And while that's technically true, it's nowhere near as like firm of a deadline for Zeke because he has one more year on his contract. He's signed through 2020 on that fifth-year option, so he can go accrue that fourth season next year. So he could literally sit out this entire season, get fined every week from now until then, uh, which, you know, it's losing money, but he makes plenty of money. I don't think that's like a huge deal for him necessarily, except that obviously he's doing this for more except money. For it is. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it does not harm his ability to enter free agency. As far as the leverage side of things, it really just boils down to the fact that without Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys are not going to win the Super Bowl. Regardless of what Jerry Jones says about needing a rushing champion and the fact that you don't technically need the leading rusher, this offense runs through him. Yes, they now added Amari Cooper as a weapon that they haven't had necessarily since like Dez of heyday Dez, but that's still not going to be enough because they intended to base this offense around Ezekiel Elliott. If he disappears, I think that their playoff chances go from pretty much lock. I have them actually winning the division to outside the playoff picture potentially, and certainly it hurts their chances of winning a Super Bowl. So when it all when it boils down to it, the Cowboys are going to be like, "Hey, we want to win the Super Bowl. We want to. We have a team that we think can win the Super Bowl now, and we're going to extend Zeke at some point because he's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the entire NFL. So why not just do it now? So in that sense, I think Zeke does have the leverage. I personally think he's going to get paid now. I've said this before. Last week, I predicted he would get signed on August 9th. I think I'm a little hot taking on this on. in that regard. But you have th- yeah, you have three days, Okada. <laughs> I know. As of this recording, it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. That was a complete answer. So let's uh, let's go ahead and I move try. on. <laughs> move on to the next piece of news here. Uh, Darrell Henderson is listed as the running back number five on the Rams' first official depth chart. Do you care? Ouch. <laughs> uh, no, I do not care, Kenneth. Um, oh, man, I miss you being on here so I can just call you that willy-nilly and uh, just I'm gonna, see the, I'm gonna qu- the I'm going to quit all face. over again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, but no, this is a, I think that this is a, a symptom of he's a rookie. They're just going to put him there for now. And by the time the season rolled around, and certainly by the time Todd Gurley's knee flares up in week seven, if that were to happen, I think it would be Daryl Henderson who would get the majority of the work. All right, and then one last piece of injury news. Apparently, did you see those pictures of Antonio Brown? He put his feet up on Twitter. Uh, apparently, that was frostbite uh, caused from entering a cryo chamber without proper footwear, and that was disgusting. <laughs> Do not look it up. That <laughs> was so nasty to look at. Um I mean, the guy did have a blonde mustache, let's remember, so I don't know why he would be posting those pictures. And green hair. Yeah, come on, man. Um, But yeah, to to speak to this, it is kind of conflicting at this point whether or not that is actually what it is. He did just see a a foot specialist. Um, My understanding of the situation is that this has the potential to be an infection on his skin. Now, if that is the case, it's actually not a huge deal. It looks nasty, and it's definitely needs to be taken care of but uh, as long as it doesn't go into the deeper layers of the skin if it is an infection he should be fine treated with uh, antibiotics but really for me I mean the biggest concern with this is he's in a new offense he's in a new city and he's got a new quarterback who definitely has question marks and he's not on the field he's only practiced once since the the Raiders open training camp so I think you just have to wonder what that does for his value this year in fantasy, given that he hasn't had the time to d- develop that relationship with Derek Carr. Yeah, and that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch, that relationship between the two, because they kind of have opposite styles, where Derek Carr wants to get the ball out quick, ideally two feet from him down the field, uh, and move on and not get hit uh, by incoming rushers, whereas Antonio Brown wants to run around for 15 seconds, let the play break down while Ben Roethlisberger, as far as he knows, stands in the pocket like a mighty tree and then finds his way open and gets thrown the ball. So without this ability to kind of gel those two conflicting styles together, that could end up being a real problem. So I think that's a great point that Betts brings up. And we will get to learn all about it on Hard Knocks starting the night of this recording. Oh, yeah. It, I'm, it, I'm it, very The excited. first episode drops. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to watch that tomorrow uh, from when we record this. So I'm very excited to watch some Hard Knocks and the Raiders. Ooh, that's such a fun team to watch this year. That's going to do it for the news here on this episode. So let's go ahead and swing on over to the AFC North. So, the uh, you know, on the previous episodes, we started from the bottom of the division. Actually, fun fact about this, we're doing the Norths next. So AFC North today, and then on the next episode, it's going to be the NFC North. These two divisions were, quote-unquote, the most competitive in in that their bottom teams both had six wins, and they were the only divisions that did that. So the North Hmm. divisions are strong. Fun little fact there, Kenneth. Yeah, so starting with the the AFC North bottom of the bucket, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. They went 6-10 and last year. Um, Not a lot of big changes for them from season to season here. So I guess... um, I don't really know. What do you guys want to talk about with this team? Because I think the biggest thing for me is that their offensive line is starting to get injured and fall apart, and they're having some issues. Their um their their rookie uh his name is eluding me got injured earlier this off season. Might be Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams. That is exactly correct. Thank you. Um, but between that and I think a couple other 
smaller injuries. They're they're dealing with some issues, and we've seen how this team works when their offensive line is not rolling. So I don't know. Give me your general thoughts on on how their offense will look this year. Um, that's a that is I can understand your difficulty in forming a question here, Kent, because it's a weird weird team. They've got freaking weirdos. A lot of very. <laughs> They've got a lot of very talented offensive players, but potentially their most talented one is obviously going to miss a few games at this point. We don't know how many, which makes it even harder, that being A.J. Green. Uh, We also don't know necessarily what to expect from their quarterback because he's Andy Dalton and he's back and forth and up and down and who even knows what he is uh and then there's the offensive line which was terrible last year so i don't know if it really matters that they're going to be terrible again as far as comparing last year's numbers to this year's so yeah it's it's a pretty much a hot mess um i guess i'll 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 point out my number one takeaway from this team and it's that right now i am all about tyler boyd I think he is capable of holding down the fort as a wide receiver one, however long Green is gone. I think he'll still be as good, if not better, when Green comes back, because that's what we saw last year. Um, and right now, I've I've projected for 139 targets, which is basically what I had Green projected for before we knew he was going to miss games. Um, so I have Green kind of missing a few to several games right now, and then Boyd soaking up a lot of the targets in his absence. And basically, that gets uh, Tyler Boyd up into my mid wide receiver two range, and I'm not upset about it. Yeah, he's he's really, I think, the key of this offense because um, there's question marks everywhere else. Joe Mixon is a huge talent, and he is going to be good, but is he going to be uh, the RB1 that everyone wants him to be? I mean, Kent brought it up. The offensive line struggled, and now they've got injuries there. Obviously, A.J. Green being out is going to affect the offense as a whole in terms of scoring opportunities. So I think Tyler Boyd is the one guy that, going into my draft, I am definitely targeting him. I've been doing a couple best ball drafts recently, and I'm still getting him in like round six, sometimes seven. So that value is amazing, and I don't know that it stays there uh, with the Green situation. But you know, in terms of A.J. Green, uh, Okada and I both haven't projected uh, for less than a thousand yards, obviously we we know he's going to miss time. It's just a matter of how much. Uh, AJ Green is unfortunately not going to be himself this season, though. So I'll I'll say that even if he is out there for let's let's be optimistic. Let's say it's thirteen games or uh, fourteen games. I mean, we have to remember not only now does he have this high ankle sprain, uh, which he had a scope on uh, the ankle joint a few few weeks ago, um, but also now remember the right toe injury. So. Both feet, both ankles are involved here. I don't see a scenario where he's himself this season at all, even if he's on the field. So I want no part of A.J. Green. And for me, uh, he's off my draft board for that reason. Well, well just quickly on Mixon before we move, if, unless we were going to go to Mixon. Uh, for me, I feel like he bridges a gap, a little tiny mini gap in running back tiers between like the David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook guys that are right at the end of the first round, maybe right at the turn of the first round. And then like the Damian Williams, unless your name is Kent, Aaron Jones, <laughs> Fournette, Chubb guys, 
that are like early second round, early to mid second round. Kent is shaking his head at me. With Don't worry, disdain. you wait. You wait till we get to the AFC West show. You just wait. <laughs> oh, uh, but do you guys feel like that's fair to kind of have him bridge that group? Because I feel like ADP would have him a little bit higher. I think that's pretty uh, fair. I mean, it, yeah. he definitely belongs. I think in that conversation with all those names that you just mentioned. But I was, you know, in my head, kind of doing a checklist. Uh, I need to make sure my rankings reflect this. But I would literally take all those guys that you said before him so um i think he's in the conversation at that back end rb1 high end rb2 scenario but like i said at you know at when we started the bengals uh discussion here there's more risk than there was three weeks ago and i think that that draft price will change and i think that that ranking i think should change uh for us if it hasn't already yeah i mean i'm just worried that between the o-line injuries and like the offense being stifled with aj green out I'm worried that Mixon's just going to get pummeled, and he might not even play 16 games this year, not by his own accord, but just because he's going to get battered and bruised uh, in his offense right now, and that's kind of how I see it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of sketched out by by all the red flags popping up. but Okay, so the one la- let me just say one last thing on Mixon, which is last year he was quite good with Adrian Green missing a lot of time, the offensive line being bad, and the Marvin Lewis horrific offense still being a thing. Now we have a potential Rams-style offense. Whether or not it functions anything like that is a whole other question. But coming in with Zach Taylor, I don't know if it, there's necessary necessarily should be any fear of him getting worse. So I, I don't know. I really haven't fully fleshed out my feelings on him. I guess they're kind of mixed. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, we have a question mark on uh, Brian Callahan, the OC as well. So it's... Uh... It's going to be interesting to watch. But real quick, before we move on from the Bengals, uh, Tyler Eifert, will he play more than three and a half games? That's the over-under, I believe. <laughs> Hammer the over. He's doing it. Hammer the over. Yes. Yeah. This no, is the I year. think he's got a good season ahead of him if he plays. Okay. Yeah, Betts, I want to hear from you on whether we should expect recurring injuries heading into this season, and then I'll give my feelings. Yeah, actually, Tyler Eifert, you know, he is someone that actually has been more – unlucky i would say than injury right, like prone. a keenan allen type yeah right? definitely like dislocated elbow okay. concussions uh a knee injury and then now this ankle injury which is kind of the same mechanism honestly of aj green it's just more severe um he's coming off of surgery for that so certainly you could expect maybe a slow start but honestly i think tyler eifert is a very sneaky value this year especially with green out i think you know when i went in to adjust my uh projections with the green injury I gave some of those targets to Tyler Eifert, and I think it would be kind of silly of us not to recognize him as a beneficiary of that injury. So, yeah, I think he could be in for a good season. If we're going off his track record, I'd say let's let's project him at like 13, 14 games because he probably will miss a game or two here or there. But, um, yeah, he's more unlucky than injury-prone, I would say. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. And today I did a pretty big rankings update based off a lot of the projections we've been doing. And I have him as a tight end one at this point. Because if I didn't put him at literally as a tight end one, he would be kind of maybe in the you know 12 to 15 range. And once you get to that range, it's just a bunch of guys that you can get on waivers later anyways that don't have the upside that Tyler Ivert does. Especially with AJ Green missing time, and we'll see how much he misses. But if he misses a decent amount of time, Tyler Ivert, if he stays healthy, healthy legitimately has top five tight end upside that very few other players in the league have. He could absolutely be a nine to 10 touchdown tight end 
if he stays healthy, and especially if AJ Green is out and he becomes literally the number one red zone option or around there with Boyd, maybe a 1A, 1B. So I he's absolutely a guy I think you should be targeting if you wait on tight end or if you have deep enough rosters, maybe just stashing him as a second tight end if you kind of wait on your first one and get a little duo where he's your upside guy. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to our second team in the AFC North. That is the Cleveland Browns. Last year they went 7-8-1, and one, which was a massive improvement from their previous season, like previous <laughs> two seasons or whatever. Uh, the Hugh Jackson era. So do we expect the explosion? Everyone seems to be ready for uh, Baker Mayfield, Oldale Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, Kareem Hunt when he comes back, uh, uh, some other you know smaller pieces on receivers to just explode. Uh, uh, David Njoku, I mean, they got tons and tons of talent. Are we going to see that develop? into potentially a playoff team this year yes i think they do as well i mean there's there's definitely there's two i think there's two teams from this division that make the playoffs um the steelers are obviously up there and i think the browns are as well so um and not to mention what we're going to get to the ravens so it's competitive it's going to be tough for them to get in but i think they could sneak in as a wild card and maybe even win the division i mean the roster is is talented and let's not forget their defense is pretty legit as well yeah Listen, Kent, last year we all started getting on the Browns train together. Um, I don't know why. Why were we on the Browns train? Oh, because we like Baker Mayfield, I guess? Uh, Yeah, yeah. They were still terrible going into last season. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we, 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 you know, we had a little bit of faith. We hoped that they would do well. I think a couple of us said nine wins, uh, which they didn't quite make, but that's their fault for not firing Q earlier because their pace after firing Q was better than nine wins. Oh, yeah. I more than believe in this team at this point. I think they are a lock to win the division. I project or like predicted out the whole standings and I had to force losses onto them to keep them below like 11 wins <laughs> because I was getting up to the 11, 12 range just by predicting through the matchups on the season. And I think that they lose probably early in the playoffs, but this is a playoff team through and through. I like Freddie Kitchens as a coach. I like their quarterback. I like every piece of their offense. And like Betts brought up, I like their entire defense. They have one of the best defensive lines in all of football at this point with the pieces they've put together. This is a really good team, at least on paper. And I think that the paper translates. Now for fantasy, it gets a lot more interesting because I think it's going to be one of the most balanced teams in the entire league. And despite how good I think their offense is going to be, I'm a little bit lower on almost all of the players across the board than some, and then most people are because I I see things balancing out so evenly across all the talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all aboard. I love Baker Mayfield. You guys know this. I love Odell. He's a great talent. Jarvis Landry probably should have always been a wide receiver too for a team, and now he's back to that rather than trying to force himself into that one role last year. Uh, and not really stepping up to the plate, maybe as much as a lot of people thought he would. So uh, I'm all in, man. And and let's let's go ahead and talk about Baker in the QB position. You guys both have him projected over 4,100 yards and 31 touchdowns. Looks like Okada is a little bit on the sweeter side with 4,400 yards and 33 touchdowns. Um, yet, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised. You both have him ranked uh, nine and 11 
in your QB rankings right now, is is there some maybe inherent risk you see that would hold you back from that, or what, what's what's stopping you from moving him up a little bit? It's really not anything against Baker. He was fantastic last year, and that was with Jarvis Landry as his one. Obviously, Odell Beckham, which has made Eli Manning a top 10 quarterback, is going to make Baker Mayfield a lock for a QB1 season. There's no way he doesn't have it. But the quarterback position is just absurd with how deep it is. There's so many guys that I would uh, that I would take there as a, as a QB1. So when the numbers kind of balance out for me, he did come in at QB11 in my projections. Certainly, it's in the realm of possibility that he's a top five or a top six quarterback. Um, but like Okada said, I think the, the ball just gets distributed a lot between the running backs as well. I think Nick Chubb has a fantastic season. I think Duke Johnson has a good first half of the year. And I think Creep Hunt has a good second half of the year. So it definitely is going to get balanced out between the the offensive skill positions. Baker's going to have a great year. Uh, I could definitely see myself moving him up before the season starts. But as of my projections and the way the numbers came out, he came in at QB 11 for me. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because when you talked about our ranks, Kent, you mentioned 9 and 11, which is true. But I my projections actually have Baker at QB 11. So Betts and I are literally on the exact same page as far as his projections. I have him moved up a couple spots because a couple of the guys that I have projected ahead of him do have that risk that you were asking about, and I don't think he has it. I think he has very little risk, so many weapons, 100% a QB1 for me. The only reason he's down at 9 is because the quarterback position is so chock full of talent now that there are 8 guys that I like a little bit more than him. Not by much, but a little bit more. Sure. No, that's fair. Um, I think there's maybe like maybe like a five to ten percent chance. Maybe that's a little high, but somewhere in that range, that Baker Mayfield has forty touchdowns this year. Do you think that's crazy? Do you think that's crazy? I don't. I don't think it's crazy. No, I honestly don't. And there's actually one stat that Kent. I just want to bring up because that's a great. Great time to bring it up. I was doing a little bit of research here before we started, and I just looked at um, how were these quarterbacks used when they got inside the red zone and when they got inside the 10 zone. And we need to talk about uh, the new offensive coordinator, uh, Todd Munkin, who came over from the Bucks Last season, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick both had 18 pass attempts inside the 10-yard line. Obviously, that totals 36. That would have ranked 11th in the NFL last year. So, if that happens for Baker Mayfield, somewhere around that range, it's definitely in the realm of possibility with the weapons that he has. Obviously, Odell Beckham and David Njoku is a very sneaky, good red zone target uh, for that team. So I think it's it's in the realm of possibility for sure. Can I interest you in another stat, Bets? I love stats. Hit me. I know Kent loves stats. Yeah. Baker Mayfield's red zone passer rating last year was 115.7. He threw 20 touchdowns, zero picks in the red zone. The Ooh. only quarterback that had better numbers was Drew Brees. That is literally Ooh. it. I guess shades that's good of, enough. Uh, what's that? Is that shades of, what is that, year two Mariota? Do you remember that that one season where <laughs> yes, he, was, oh I do. he was just an ace in the red zone? Don't bring up that cough, kids. Oh, oh my gosh. Now yeah, I have to not move to him bring, down. Not to bring the mood down, but uh, no, that's a good stat. I mean, it really is, and uh, you can't expect things like that to go south like Mariota has, but that's for different reasons, and we could talk about that later. But let's you know, let's move into this running back group because Nick Chubb, I think we can all agree he's pretty safe low-end running back one. We need to talk about... One, whether or not you think Duke Johnson's going to stay here for the entire season. And two, 
when Kareem Hunt returns, what's going to happen between you know either the two or the three of them? It's it's a big question mark. And if you're a Duke, uh, excuse me, if you're a Nick Chubb drafter, are you going to be worried come playoff time that he's not going to be able to get enough carries to perform or touches rather? Um. So this is a tough one. I do believe, at least I have projected that Duke Johnson will be there uh, for the beginning of the season. Yeah. I don't know if that will end up being the case. as a chance he goes somewhere. We talked about maybe he goes to the Texans. But for now, I, I have him staying there. But I do have him losing a lot of his role to Kareem Hunt when Kareem Hunt comes back. And I also have Nick Chubb losing a decent amount to Kareem Hunt. I think Betts and I might be on pretty different pages on this, so we'll have to see what Betts says. But... In my opinion, Kareem Hunt is an extremely, extremely talented running back. As good as Nick Chubb, at least. And both of them are very, very good. Um, Apart from his raw numbers that we saw in Kansas City that I think can be inflated because of how good that offense is and how good Andy Reid is, if you just look at things like forcing missed tackles and you know making good use of opportunities all those stats Kareem Hunt is extremely effective as a running back so I don't think that there's much of a chance and as a pass catcher by the way which is why he hears Duke Johnson I don't think there's much of a chance that he shows up with fresh legs late in the season when the Browns are making a playoff push and doesn't get a very large role so I have him hurting both those guys late in the season and it actually right now for me has Chubb down at RB14 from a draft standpoint. I think he'll be much better than that for the first eight weeks. But just as an overall season rank perspective, I think that Hunt does matter. So, Kata, let me propose this to you. Would you draft Would you draft Nick Chubb with the intent of trading him after the first month of the season? First month? So, four-ish games? Four, five, six. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Um, I w- It would really depend on what I could sell him for because certainly the closer you get to that eighth week, in the way fantasy is now, everyone else that you're going to try to trade him to is also going to know that Kareem Hunt's coming back. It's not going to be like you can pull the wool over their eyes like, look at this guy who's been the number one running back for the first eight weeks. Don't you want him? No, they're going to know why you're trying to sell him, you peddler of wares. Uh, so it's it's going to be tough to get the right price. Selling after the first four weeks is interesting because that's early enough that maybe you can. So yes, I would be potentially interested. I will say that that strategy is something that sounds a lot better before you actually draft a player and he's on your roster and has done that for the first four weeks. <laughs> so I might like that idea going into it, but by the time week four comes around and he's literally a top three running back, it would be very hard for me to actually pull the trigger. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I think my approach to this backfield has been pretty consistent all offseason and i've been saying you need to play for the now there's too much unknown in fantasy injuries happen suspensions um you name it so you know nick chubb is going to be an rb1 for the first eight weeks of the season i don't see how it doesn't happen so i'm drafting him that way because you need those seven or eight wins uh if you're lucky to get into the playoffs so I think from that standpoint alone, he's worth the draft price. And then when you, you factor in when Cream Hunt comes back, I don't think they just throw him in there and make it a 50-50 split. I think they slow play Cream Hunt a little bit. And if they do that, Nick Chubb holds his value through week 10, week 11, week 12. And yes, it could hurt come playoff time, but you need to get into playoffs. And that's how I play the game because there's going to be an injury at some point. And you can pick up a guy from another team that there's an injury and plug him in as an RB2 if things take a turn for Nick Chubb for the worst. So I play for the now. I think Nick Chubb 
is an extreme value in the first half of the season. So I wanted him on my rosters because I think there's enough people that are scared of uh, Kareem Hunt that it could make him a value come season's end. Yeah, you know, uh, Okada, I'm going to peddle my snake oil because maybe there's a team that's like <laughs> 0-3 or something, and I could be like, look, I'll, tra- I'll trade you Nick Chubb. You'll get at least you know three, four solid weeks out of him. And you can get back in the playoff race. And then maybe he's not so good after that, but at least you have a shot. Uh, that's the kind of snake oil I can kind of pedal because it's actually realistic and it could help a team. So I'm going to at least try that if I do have Nick Chubb. Um, it's worth a shot anyway. But let, let's go ahead and swing over to the wide receivers. Uh, Odell Beckham, he's locked in. He's a wide receiver one. He's a, he's a top three wide receiver for me this year. I don't know if you guys have him ranked that high, but I'm very excited about his opportunity with uh, Baker Mayfield connection. I've seen some camp videos that are just, just awesome. Oh, my God. It's going to be a great combination. Um, you guys have him projected for around 1,200 yards, eight to nine touchdowns, which I think is is safely in the lower wide receiver one category. But um, th- I think there's double-digit touchdown opportunity here. There certainly is double-digit touchdown opportunity I don't think anyone can disagree with that Odell's been one of the better touchdown scoring wide receivers when he's been on the field and we saw what Baker did and just brought up what Baker did in the red zone last year the only reason I don't have Odell higher than I do which currently is wide receiver seven which is still in our uh, locked wide receiver one but not quite as high as you can but it's just that I think he gets fewer targets than he has gotten and he is a so much larger injury risk, or at least has been, and maybe Betts can speak to this, maybe I'm getting all Keenan Allen here, than people believe. Like, he's missed more games than Sammy Watkins. I think I've mentioned that on a previous podcast, which you do not think of them the same way from an injury standpoint. So, uh, I like him. He's great. He's going to be a lockdown wide receiver one. He's my wide receiver seven. But he's getting drafted, I think, I believe a little bit higher than that. I'll pull it up real quick. And I'm not, I don't think, willing to pay that price. He's getting drafted at wide receiver five. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick and, and just kind of talk about the injuries. I, I think it is a Keenan Allen type of situation where there isn't a big correlation between them. And I think the, you know, the thought process out there with Sammy Watkins is because everyone knows what it is, right? It's not a question of what the injury was. Everyone knows it's his foot. So for me, it's a recurring theme and that's what predicts future injury. So I feel way less confident in Sammy Watkins' ability to stay on the field for 16 games than I do Odell Beckham. His injuries have been um, different body parts without much correlation. And the statistics that, you know, say, oh, a player has only played in X number of games in their career, it, it's kind of skewed. Of You know, of course, a defender could roll up on the ankle and cause a high ankle sprain or a fracture in week one, and it could happen in week 16. So, and at that point, you're out for the season with, with surgery. So it really does change um, the total number of games missed for a player. So I don't love that statistic. I can see where that comes from. But for me, I'm confident in Odell Beckham Jr.'s ability to stay healthy this year. I've got him as my wide receiver eight. I think that good things happen there with Baker Mayfield. I mean, obviously, he was he was wide receiver 14 last year, and he played in 12 games with Eli Manning. So um, I think I might need to bump him up, honestly, a little bit when we're talking about this. But, yeah, he's a lock as a top 10 wide receiver for me without question. Yeah, he's he's number three for me right now. I, I do have him ranked up there. I'm very, very uh, confident in his ability and Baker Mayfield's ability, and they have a good offense set up to go vertical. Um, I'm very excited about it. But let's move past him. Uh, Jarvis Landry, do you have any desire – 
to to land him on any of your teams. I kind of have find myself like lukewarm on him right now. Uh, no. Currently, no, Kent. I, I, I I'll say he's currently I, going to the sixth round. Yeah, I was just pulling that up as well. Yeah, early sixth round wide receiver, twenty seven. Then that's I think off his name primarily. Um, I have him as wide receiver thirty seven. So the math does not compute, and I will be passing. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, w- uh, this guy has been the target hog number one every year that he's played the game and has needed all of every single last one of those targets to be a viable fantasy asset because of his low efficiency. And now in comes the number one of all number ones, Odell Beckham Jr. There is no way he gets a target count he's been getting. And I don't think that the narrative of having Odell over there and therefore opening, you know, uh, better coverage is really going to matter that much. Jarvis is going to draw the slot corner pretty much because he's running out of the slot just like he did before. I don't think it's going to matter that much. Uh, so I'm not interested. Maybe Betts can give you a little more positive take. Um, the unfortunate thing is that I think that's about right for him. Like I have him right now as my wide receiver 30, I believe. So um, I'm pretty close to that range. And, you know, I, I tend to be more of like a value drafter unless there's a player in a tier or in a draft position that I want on my roster. And for me, I'm not going to reach for Jarvis Landry. So I think he'll have a decent season. I think there's a realm of possibility where he's a wide receiver too. I also think there's a possibility where he's like a low end wide receiver three. So it depends on what you want out of him drafting him. If you're drafting him to do what he did when he was in Miami, obviously you're going to be disappointed. But if he's your wide receiver three, I mean, I'm... I'm okay with that at his price. So I don't love the price, but I'm willing to go in on him if I've got uh, more high upside players on my roster uh, to surround him. Yeah, I, that's probably the best way to put it. He, I, I, I have in no way, shape, or form want to rely on him. Um, I want him to be like a flex play or something. Or if I'm in a three wide receiver league, I'll probably pass on him and go for someone a little bit more surefire. Um, maybe like a D.D. Westbrook or something like that, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not very interested in him this year at the, at his price and then all the other receivers behind him. I also have pretty much no desire. Um, some people have been talking about Antonio Callaway and Richard Higgins, but, uh, I'm not seeing it personally. Same. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's do uh real quick. Let's talk about David and Joku. Do you guys, are you targeting him in any of your drafts? Not a bit, Kent. Oh, really? Not at all. Mm-mm. Nope. No, I found myself in a couple mocks that I've done in best balls where he gets there and it's it's the double digit rounds and he's okay, but I would much rather just keep waiting and take a guy like a Greg Olson or Delaney Walker or uh, Mark Andrews, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got back end tight end one potential, but for your roster, that doesn't really do a ton. I, I tell you what, looking at fantasy football calculator right now, it says he's going to 8-11, which is surprising for me this is in half point uh per reception so i i'm definitely not gonna touch him in the eighth round he'd be more of a uh 12 or 13th rounder for me but if i'm not taking like someone in that first or second tier i'm probably gonna punt to some degree on the tight end position so i would probably also not get david and joku this year all right let's move on to the sponsor all righty so today's show is brought to you by You've heard of them, if not from just 
them from us a few times. It's the Fantasy Footballers and their ultimate draft kit. Andy, Mike, and Jason were partnering again, again with them this season uh, on that UDK, which is undoubtedly the best draft tool and preseason research tool that exists in the fantasy industry. If you want to, going into your drafts that are, I mean, we are heading into prime drafting season. If you want to be informed to the max, if you want projections, rankings, sleepers, breakouts, busts, reception perception, injury reports from bets, all of that stuff, then you need the UDK. So go to redshirtsudk.com. You can use uh, that link and you can use code redshirts to get 10% off the UDK. So you get all that stuff at a deal and support the red shirts. How could you not pull the trigger on this? You know, I'm I'm just so glad that we're supporting the smaller podcasts out there like the fantasy <laughs> footballers. Um, it's really great to see guys like them uh, get into the game. So I'm super proud of that. Yeah, they're, they're okay. They're having a decent start to their career. I think they've got uh, a good potential to, uh, to take a step forward here this year. So I like those guys a lot. Lots of upside. Oh, as we are all current or former fantasy footballers, writers, so obviously we love them very much. So thanks, guys. That's uh, awesome that you're uh, partnered with us. So with that being said, let's move on to our third team in AFC North, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 9-6-1 and one last year. Um, kind of a disappointing season for them, all things considered. You know, Le'Veon Bell sitting out was a huge uh, hole in their game plan, so to speak. And then... Um, you know, kind of a couple other things fell apart. They had some injuries, and it was kind of rough. But for this year, we have some changes. They no longer have Antonio Brown. He's been traded to the Raiders. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was let go as a free agent, signed with the New York Jets. So we have to fill in some missing pieces here, and I think there's a lot of moving parts here, uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, let's start at the top. Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, he is, I think, entering his... Uh, age 41 season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, does anyone know that off the top of their head? That's a guess. I'm that not going to lie. But that yeah. sounds a little old. Is it? Is uh, it too I'm, old? I would say 39. Oh, 37. Wow. Gosh, is he, he is really just that entering young? the league. He Ooh. is. He is a wee lad. Just a young buck. Um, okay, he looks way <laughs> older than that. Can I say that? All right. That's <laughs> Ben, yes. you look terrible. Um, Clean it up. <laughs> little bloated. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's that kind of sprinkled with the rumors of him retiring for the last eight years, it feels like now. Seriously. Um, yep. I I was almost like half expecting him to do it this year, losing his two big offensive pieces, and then he could just walk away and never find out if it was chicken or the egg of who made who. But we're about to find mm. out. Um, he's staying around for one more season. Uh, you guys have some big seasons projected for him, to be perfectly honest. Um Somewhere between 4,400 and 4,700 yards. That's massive. 30-plus uh, touchdowns. Uh, this is looking like a pretty good season from Ben. Yeah. Um. Listen, Kent, this is burying <laughs> the lead a little bit because the simple fact is I have Juju Smith-Schuster 100% filling the void of Antonio Brown. And before he existed last year, it's not like they had an elite number two that uh, like Juju was last year that made Ben good uh, for the years prior. So I don't I think he drops down a little bit from where he was last year because last year was insane. They had two of the best receivers in the league. 
but and he's going to throw less pass attempts because he would led the entire league in pass attempts. But I still have him with a ton, 630. I don't know if that leads all quarterbacks in my projections, but it probably does. Uh, and I think that his receiving core does just fine. And I am, uh, listen, I have him as my QB 13. So it's not like I'm putting him in QB one range, but it's close. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I've got him at QB twelve, and you know, earlier this offseason, we were kind of down on Ben. We were saying, you know, he's a mid, he's a mid two, he's a back end two. But when you look at the numbers and the volume that's going to be there, it's going to work for Ben. I think that he's going to have a a good season. He's not going to do what he did last year when he was obviously QB three and had Antonio Brown. But um, we'll go ahead and transition into it. I love Juju this year, and I think that he is going to elevate Ben the way that Ben has benefited from Antonio Brown and a good running team uh, attack and a good pass catching back. So um, it's a step down for sure, but you could do way worse in your draft than Ben Roethlisberger. Listen, <laughs> Betts has transitioned us to Juju Smith-Schuster, and so I just have to say it. He is my number one fantasy wide receiver what yeah okay. i don't know okay. what to tell you kent i'm sorry i have to jump in now i let you two play fun and games <laughs> here for a little bit it's time to get real real we're we're expect. okay first of all first of all listen i love juju juju is a great football player i think he's gonna have a good season but we're seriously expecting him to become basically antonio brown the best arguably the best wide receiver of the last like five or six years you just want him to immediately become that the transition period was two seasons basically and you think he's already going to be the best in the league I, listen i can't i can't buy it i think he's going to have a great <laughs> season but i can't buy he's going to jump immediately to that elite status okay here's the thing kent he was antonio brown last year he outdid Antonio Brown in catches and yards. The only difference was that Brown got all the touchdowns. And did was Brown better at scoring touchdowns than Juju was? Yes. But with Brown gone, can Juju take up a large chunk of those touchdowns that are now going to be missing? Absolutely. Which means that he takes the numbers he was already posting equal to Antonio Brown in receptions and yards, adds those touchdowns, and yes, is as good as Antonio Brown has been. No, okay, so I think it's reasonable that he could he could step up his game. But it's not like he's just getting all those touchdowns. I mean, we have Dante Moncrief coming into the fold. Vance McDonald's expanding his role. They have Deontay Thompson, I believe, is stepping up in, in, in camp here. Uh, they have one other guy I can't think of off the top of my head here. James but Washington. They have other receivers. Thank you. Yeah, James Washington. They have other receivers that are, are quality as well and capable of catching touchdowns, especially – what? What does that look? What does it look? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I know I know the listeners can't see the look right now, but what does that look for? Because <laughs> I gave I gave Kent an eyebrow. And then I, Juju, <laughs> I saw okay. Okada give Ju the look, so I gave another Juju look. Juju <laughs> posted the numbers he posted last year with Antonio Brown on the other side of the field. These guys none of these guys are half of what Antonio Brown is. In fact, none of them are probably exactly. a quarter of what Antonio Brown is. Juju, however, it could be could be 90% plus of what Antonio Brown is. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be 22 years old and has already looked like one of the best receivers in the entire league. And just based off how young he is, comparing him to anyone else who's been this good, this young, we're talking Randy Moss 
and Josh Gordon, who theoretically could be one of the best in the league, obviously, if he didn't have the -the off-the-field issues. So I think, yes, he can be Antonio Brown, like, to literally even to the greatness of Antonio Brown. I'm not predicting that right now. I'm just predicting numbers right now. But that could be his ceiling. So as far as numbers for this season, I'm... 100% 100% he can fill all that up. And he won't get all the touchdowns. That would be insane. That would be getting all 15. He'd be up to like 22. But he can get half of them. And if he gets half of them, that's double digits easy. I, I think you guys are going to be disappointed when he's drawing this double double coverage and he can't compete with it like he could against free coverage as a secondary option in the passing attack. I think you guys are going to be frustrated when you see that happen. And he's going to have down games because of that. And, and I think he's going to have a great season. It's not going to be a number one season. I'll bet on that. I'll bet anything on that. Bets, you want to be a voice of reason? Because I I clearly am out of control having him at wide receiver one. I don't deny that, but I still think it's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's not going to happen because it's going to... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, true, 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 true. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I love Juju this year. My numbers when I ran them, which were less than Okada by a full touchdown, more than 200 yards, more than... Uh, like 15 to 20 receptions like it's it's a decent difference he still comes out the wide receiver three for me so um i've got him ranked as wide receiver four because yeah there's a little tiny risk that maybe he's not as great as we think he is because antonio brown isn't across from him i'll give kent that argument there for sure but i mean i only put his his targets up i think by like five or six from last year i don't know how that doesn't go up a little bit um, he's going to have so much volume in a, a good offense with a very good quarterback I, that he has to be he has to be top six like that to me is his floor so so I'm in no I'll, so here's why last year uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger was thrown for 320 yards a game guess how many times he's done that in his career that's 20 uh, excuse me that's uh, I don't have the number of seasons in front of me that's like 12 or 13 seasons. He's done it twice. He's what? done it twice, twice in that many times. All the other seasons are like 40 yards or more below that. And you think he's going to lose Antonio Brown. And granted, he didn't have Bell last year, but he's had Bell for a while. And so it's been a big piece of his offense. You think he's going to stay at that 320 yards per game? Not a chance. He's going to drop back down to that 280 mark or something like that. Juju, like I said, will have a good season. He'll be a low-end wide receiver one. But he's not going to increase his numbers from last year. Maybe the touchdowns. Maybe. Okay, so th- I'm glad you brought that up because this is my last point that I'll make because we've already spent too much time on this, but it's deserving <laughs> of it because of how much I think I especially, but also bets love Juju. There's this idea that he can't go up in targets because he already had 166 last year or it was something like that. There is no doubt in my mind that he is the odds-on favorite to lead the league in targets. You look at the other guys that would be close potentially, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Michael Thomas, Julio and DeAndre have other great pass-catching options on their team that will take up a bunch of targets, especially Hopkins, by the way, with QT. We'll get to that eventually. Michael Thomas, he could be up in that range, certainly as far as target share goes, but that team's not going to pass nearly as often as the Steelers are. So I don't think it's close that Juju leads the league. And if he's going to lead the league, he's going to have to be in that 165-plus, but I think he can be much more than that. I have him projected at 177. Is that a lot? Yes. Would that be one of the higher numbers in recent years? Yes. 
Is he one of the best wide receivers, I think, right now in this league on a team that's going to pass a lot without any other weapons? Yes. To me, the math checks out. Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw 75 to 100 less times this year than last year. He threw 675 times last year. That's top three since 2010. That's not going to happen again. I'm sorry. No, it's it's not. I have him losing not 45 pass attempts. That's oh, down more to 630. Than that. More than Still that. Still a lot. More than that. Yeah, All right, I, we have spent a lot of time. Let's put a bow on oh. this and let's move on. But I, yep. one thing I just want to say is, like, I think, I think we're all right. Like, we're all best friends. We're all right. No, that's impossible, Ben. <laughs> because not all because right. Here's the thing. I think Ben Roethlisberger 100% regresses. I think Ben Roethlisberger 100% doesn't pass the ball as much as he did last year. But look at that depth chart. Like, Dante Moncrief is a huge question mark. James Washington apparently is not doing great in camp. Dante Johnson is a rookie. Like, who else is getting the ball? It has to be Juju. So even if Big Ben doesn't have a top five year, like, Juju could still be top three. So um, I, let's just all hold hold hands. Let's just be friends. Big oh, Ben oh, yeah. cannot be We're great, friends. and Juju can still be great. So <laughs> I, I think both scenarios are this likely. Is, this this is why we brought you on, Ken. This is why we needed you to host these <laughs> you, so that you, you needed could the fire on our yeah. insane projections. Yeah, no, it, that was fun, honestly. That's a good talk, and there's a lot of good points on both sides. So um, tell you what, real quick, Vance McDonald, do you want him on your team, yes or no? We'll just do this quick, and then we'll go to the next team. Yes, I'm okay with him on my team. Uh, I'll let Bets answer also, but I do have to say quickly before we move on from the Steelers that I am almost equally as un fathomably high on James Conner as I am on Juju. Oh, yeah. I have him as my running back, too, right now. So I'm just going to throw that out there and move on. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. No need to back it up. That's the fact. And we'll just move on. Uh, to answer your question in regards to Vance McDonald, I I think he's interesting. I mean, he's seen, you know, we've seen so many flashes from him in his, his time with, obviously, the Steelers last year and then the Niners, but he just hasn't put it together. So there's definitely risk with him this season. But obviously, it's it's his job as a starting tight end to lose. If he can really put the pieces together, I think he's a great value. I've got him as a, a tight end, uh, tight end one. I have him as 11 right now. So he's right there at the back end tight end one range but you know you'll hear us say this on the pod multiple times that tier is so full of of players that from tight end like seven to 14 i don't really care who i get so um he's just kind of in that group for me okay yeah so that's that's a good uh stopping point there for the pittsburgh steelers real quick let's talk about the baltimore ravens um last year 10 and 6 it looks like it could be maybe about that this year again. Lamar Jackson going in his second year, running quarterback, hopefully getting better at passing. I've heard a lot of good things in camp about him. Um, I don't know where he's going in drafts currently, but I could look it up here in a second. I, b- I believe it's it's pretty reasonable. Um, looks like eleven the eleventh round, which I think I can I can swallow that a little bit considering he's a rushing quarterback. And that's pretty safe. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson this year? I think he's a value, honestly. I mean. You talked about it with the rushing. I I brought his numbers down based off of his 16-game pace last year. But even with the rushing attempts that I project him to get, um, which is, I think, just north of 140, he's going to have success as a QB1 for several weeks. I don't think he puts it together as consistently as he did last year because you know defenses weren't really able to key in on him um, in their game planning when he switched with with Joe Flacco as a starter, now defenses have the tape on him. They know his tendencies. Um, they know he's a rushing quarterback, so they're going to account for him for sure. I think he has a solid season. I don't think he is 
adding a ton of value in the passing game, to be honest with you. So for me, he's a streaming target, and I have him ranked as that, as like a mid-range QB2. So he has QB1 weeks, but I'm not drafting him as if he is a QB1. Yep, that sounds good to me. Uh, Real quick, let's talk about the running backs here. Uh, They drafted Justice Hill. They... Tra- uh, no, they uh, signed, excuse me, Mark Ingram. That's likely going to be their combo this year. Gus Edwards, I think, is going by the wayside. Which of these two are you interested in drafting? Both. Mm. I, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty okay taking both of these. I mean, maybe not on the same fantasy team because I don't really see it as a handcuff type situation. But I am interested in both guys at their prices. I have Mark Ingram as kind of a low-end RB2 right now. And I think Justice Hill can be a upside, especially in PPR, uh, RB3 or 4, sort of, somewhere in that range. Someone you could flex and could could be decent as a backup. Uh, more likely, Gus Edwards would take more work if Ingram went down and Justice Hill might get a little bit more, but just, just be more of the pass catcher. But I think they're both values right now, and I'd be happy to have either one. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm aggressively going after Mark Ingram. I think he is a, a lock for like RB like 18 I think just based off sheer volume alone I mean they rushed the ball the most in the NFL last year obviously that was a lot of Lamar Jackson but I don't know if that changes a ton like I'm I'm pegging them as a top five rushing team this season I think both guys have value because there's so many touches to be had and Mark Ingram is a very good running back so if he can get um, the lion's share of the touches there I think he is a, a rock solid RB2 and I would love to have him on all my teams yeah, I, I love Justice Hill. In fact, I'm looking at the projections here. I think I like um, Betts' take on his catching work uh, more. He's got him for 41 receptions, 328 yards, and a handful Ooh. of touchdowns. I like that a lot. I think that's a very good wow. call. I think that's that's where his specialty is going to be in this offense. Uh, they're going to try and be shifty, do a lot of lateral stuff and misdirection, and I think Justice Hill, uh, as well as Mark Ingram, is a good fit for that. I think this is a great uh running back tandem for the Baltimore Ravens right now. Way better than Gus Edwards. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Gus Bus. Yeah. Um, I heart Gus right. Bus. <laughs> I guess we can move on to their wide receivers. Are there? Uh, this is a pretty simple question. Do you want any of them? Nope. Let's go ahead Not and skip. Not a bit. <laughs> yep, yeah, just skip. Just skip them. They're all going to be unreliable. They'll probably have a couple of big weeks, and that's that's the best you can do. Um, but let's move on to their, their bigger uh, receiving group, their tight ends. Uh, they have Mark Andrew, Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle. Uh, it seems like uh, Mark Andrews is going to be stepping ahead and being the lead guy here. I have heard some good things about Hayden Hurst, though, having a little bit of a bounce back season. He was injured at the beginning of last season, if you do recall. Uh, I think they'd be a great tandem. I think they'd be a great one and two. And, you know, big body guys used for blocking and their run plays and that misdirection stuff I was talking about. So, um, Mark Andrews, you guys have him projected pretty well. 600, 700 yards, approximately five touchdowns apiece. That's that's low end our uh tight end one. That's like a tight end 11, 12 range. Uh yeah, it actually is tight end eight for me right now. I uh, my my current rankings today, after this big shifty thing that I did, they're getting a little crazy, and this is one of my crazier ones, along with Juju and James Conner. Uh, but I, I literally put Mark Andrews at tight end eight ahead of Delaney Walker and Joku McDonald, all those guys. Uh, I'm 100% bought in. I think he is the guy. I honestly hope they don't have a, a good tandem, Kent, like you were alluding to, which is a potentially an option, and Hayden Hurst is fine. 
But I hope that Andrews just basically takes over. Um, and I think he will be the best pass-catching option on that team. They showed good chemistry last year, and I think he's a really good tight end. Uh, so I'm he's basically the guy that I'm going for if I don't get any of the top six. The Kelsey Kittle, Ingram, Ertz, Howard, Henry group that I'm going Mark Andrews for sure. Yeah, we joked about it, and we said just move on with the, the receivers. But in all honesty, Mark Andrews is the wide receiver one on this team. Uh, the dude is athletic, averaged... Um, more than 15 yards per reception last year, uh, which was 10th in the NFL, not amongst tight ends, players in the NFL. So uh, the dude can get downfield, and in games when Lamar Jackson started, he was tight end 13. So I honestly don't see it being a, a crazy scenario to have him as like tight end 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. Um, I think he's a great value this year. We talked about it with Rob Waziak on our late-round draft targets. I'm with Okada. I am definitely going after Mark Andrews if I don't get one of those uh, top six tight ends. Okay, so for the listener's sake, I feel like we should address this. Andrews is going in the 13th round. The end of the six guys that I mentioned is the sixth round. So where bets are you willing to reach for Andrews between those two ranges? Knowing that that's his ADP, I would probably go with like round 11 or 12. I'd just go a round or two early because I don't think he's someone that a lot of people, unless you're playing in like an industry league, really know that much about. Like if it's a family and friends league, you'll be able to get him right there one round early. Yeah, I think it does kind of depend on the league, um, but I would probably be willing to even go as high as a 10th round. So I'm 100% in. Yep, I agree. He's a great punt target, kind of talking about earlier with those tight ends. So uh, I'm I'm in on uh, Mark Andrews this year. Got him as my second tight end in uh, Scott Fishbowl, even. Mm, so I, like I got Tyler you, Eifert as my second tight end. So I'm you know, really believer. hoping that he stays healthy. All right. Um, well, we've got a little bit long on this show. We could probably cut out about 35 minutes of Juju uh, <laughs> arguing. But, uh, no, it was all good stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll be doing the rest of the divisions. The NFC North is coming up next. So be sure to uh, stay subscribed to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod. Uh, I am your temporary guest host for the Divisional Series, Kent Wyrock. That's at Kent Wyrock on Twitter. Matt Okada is at Matt Okada. And Matthew Betts is at the Fantasy PT. Thank you for listening to this episode. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.